from the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Well, so much news to get through this week, you're just going to have to listen a little faster. Hello there, I'm Graham VK4BB. It is the news, the WIA news for week commencing December 9, 2012. And following two days' delay caused by 11-metre swells in the Great Southern Ocean, the ZL9 HR team arrived on Campbell Island Saturday, December 1, and were operational using minimum equipment by 0500 UTC. The following day, the full range of masts and antennas were installed and stronger signals off the island were heard worldwide. Now, the stay cannot be extended, so the team will be leaving Campbell Island today, Sunday, December 9, as planned. And thanks go to the New Zealand Department of Conservation as they now have allowed the stations to operate for several extended hours after sunset when it was expected all team members had to return to the ship at sunset. Logs are being uploaded daily via satellite phone link but apart from this communication to the team is very restricted as no cell phone coverage or internet access is available from the island current log status can be checked to see your contact has been recorded within 24 hours this by checking zl9hr.com this website also lists the call signs of the various pilots around the world and you can check their qrz.com listings to get their email addresses if you do need to contact them huge telescope to warn of solar storms an eye on the sky in west australia's remote outback in vk6 could potentially save the world billions of dollars by warning of cosmic catastrophe, the astronomers are saying. The Murchison Wide Field Array Radio Telescope just unveiled will give a dramatically improved view of the sun and provide early warning of explosive solar storms that can damage communication satellites, electric power grids and GPS navigation systems. In addition to its solar observation, the MWA will offer scientists an unprecedented view of the entire history of the universe, including how the very first stars and galaxies formed. How's that? Fox Sport will take cricket broadcasting in VK to a new level this summer with a world first, a micro camera in helmets worn by batsmen and wicketkeepers. The technology is to be officially introduced in the Big Bash 2020 tournament. The equipment consists of an HD visor-mounted camera and transmitter with batteries on the rear strap. The additional weight on the helmet, just 250 grams, about the weight of a bar of soap. Fox Sports believes it will be the first camera attached to a player during a cricket match at this level. Last year, the pay TV network pioneered the use of cameras on umpires. Adelaide, yes, quite a snow to Wi-Fi. The first Australian capital with free Wi-Fi outdoors will be Adelaide. The South Australian Government and Adelaide City Council will foot $1.5 million bill to provide it at all public areas by the end of next year, 2013. Already a trial of free Wi-Fi is on all Adelaide metro trams and some 20 buses. However, the national airline Qantas has dumped internet connectivity on its Airbus A380 jumbo jet to Los Angeles and London, When it started to charge for access, the average take-up was less than 5% of passengers, so Qantas felt this did not justify the cost of the technology. The ACMA finds stolen emergency beacon. The Australian Search and Rescue was recently alerted that an activated emergency position indicating radio beacon, or IPERB, had been stolen from South Melbourne. 
After narrowing down its initial search, they called in the expertise of a field inspector from the Australian Communications Authority. Using a Yagi directional antenna, he eventually found the errant device hanging from overhead power lines. It was safely retrieved for evidence by members of the Victoria Police. EPIRBs linked to satellites when turned on are used by those who go to sea and venture into remote areas. AJ 2013. Let's hear more on VI4ASJ from Jeff Emery, Victor Kilo 4, Zulu Papa Papa. On the Fraser coast of Queensland, the showgrounds at the regional and historic city of Maryborough are currently closed. In the town that gave birth to the creator of Mary Poppins and played a large part in the building of the railways, including the first Queensland high-speed train, the Tilt Train, goods and services are being put in place for the triennial Australian Scouts Jamboree, AJ 2013. 11,000 Scouts, their leaders and limited support workers will enjoy a range of activities whilst living under canvas. Amongst the amateur radio fraternity and scouts with amateur radio qualifications, the interest level is rising with offers of support coming from far afield interstate. Latest to offer is the Fisher's Ghost Amateur Radio Club, who wish to provide amateur radio access to scouts from VK2 who are not attending the Jamboree. You'll remember the Fisher's Ghost Amateur Radio Club hosted the amateur radio activity at the last Australian Jamboree. Their experiences were publicised in Amateur Radio magazine. On behalf of the members of the Meribara Electronics and Radio Group, I say, welcome aboard. As this item is being prepared, the donated HF radio from ICOM Australia is making its way north from Melbourne. Of course, things always take a few turns, and we heard of the storm damage to Albert, VK4POW's antenna, And now, our local ATV guru looks like he may be kept from the Jamboree because of work commitments. To the several interstate amateurs who are attending the AJ 2013 and who have contacted Merge, we say thank you and we hope that our combined efforts will bring success to Victor India for Australian Scouts Jamboree. Reporting for WIAA National News, I'm Jeff Emery. VK4ZPP, on behalf of Merge Incorporated. VK1WIA, all local news. We go around VK in 80 seconds. And we're having a look at VK3 and VK4. In VK4, it is the Tar Christmas Lights Tour. Time to get out your Santa hats, flashy pins, glad rags, and get ready for a magical mystery tour of the Light Fantastic. Yep, the famous Tar Christmas Lights Tour is on again, happening Friday evening, December 21. Now, for other hams right across Australia, this is a pretty good fun event for your club, maybe. It's a drive-yourself-dazzling spectacular, and all mobile shack chariots will need to monitor 146.5 during the tour to hear instructions from the guide vehicle. Embarkation point will be outside the VK4 FRDX complex at Rangewood, 7.30pm, and tour host Gavin, VK4ZZ, would especially like to know beforehand if you know of any hams putting on a light spectacular so their QTH can be included in this, the Tark Magical Lights Christmas Tour. VK3 and Mark VK3PDG is on the ball. Already he's announced next year's Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club, the Sparks Rosebud Radio 2013 date as November 24. As with last week's event, Rosebud Radio Fest returns to the good old days of ham radio fests, forums, displays, new pre-loved gear, great prizes and more. 
If you want to find out more, here's a telephone number, 0407 If you didn't get that down, we did warn you, listen quicker. All details, all points of contact are best read at wia.org.au and read the text edition of this week's news. Now, John, VK3BGR, the president, that's BJR, the president of Spark, has sent thanks to the sellers who booked tables and successfully sold all manner of gear inside the large auditorium last weekend. Secondly, he thanks the many interested people who attended the event from various parts of Victoria. The crowd certainly exceeded the club's expectations. The level of support provided by forum presenters and show-and-tell exhibitors also contributed to the success of the event, and the excellent catering provided by parents and friends of the school was a great attraction. And lastly, the excellent job done by members of Spark in planning, setting up and running the Radio Fest, which drew accolades from most who attended. Again, Rosebud Radio Fest 2013. Date is November 24. From the WIA News Hub in Perth and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. What use is an F-call? A little while ago, I made a commitment to myself to achieve the DXCC. Since then, I've received a few questions asking what it's all about. It's an award for the DX Century Club, or said in another way... It's a recognition of making long-distance contact with 100 countries. This Achievement Award has a long history. The DXCC was first awarded in 1937. Before then, in 1932, discussions started on how to determine what constitutes a country. For example, are Tasmania and Australia separate, altogether? What about Scotland and England? Or Alaska and the United States? Suffice to say that a definition was arrived at after much discussion, and you can read up on that on the ARRL website. In case you're wondering, things change all the time. In 1935, Tasmania and Australia were separate because of geographical division. Scotland and England are two countries, and Alaska and the USA are separate also because of geographical division. Most of that is still the same today, except that Tasmania is no longer on its own. Countries come and go. Czechoslovakia, Dutch New Guinea and Sumatra have all been deleted over the years. South Sudan, with a Z8 prefix, is new as of July 14, 2011. As I started looking into this further, it transpires that there are many versions of the DXCC. Specific bands, modes and combinations of both. 2012 represents the diamond anniversary of the DXCC and there's a special award for that as well. I found that there is a QRP, or low-power version of the DXCC, which fits nicely with my foundation licence and my own views on the level of power needed to get the job done. So QRP Portable DXCC is what I'm shooting for. Now all I need is some spare time to actually turn my radio on. I still need to learn more about the QSL process, set up a logging system, get a plan together for finding the best way to get contacts in different areas, learn more about propagation, learn CW, and make sure that my home life doesn't suffer while I'm doing this. As I said the first time around, I don't know if I'm going to take a month, a year or a decade to do this, but it's a really nice way for me to focus my attention on a particular aim and has the added benefit of making me an active operator, which ultimately is what this is all about, actually turning on the radio and using it. How have you gone about developing your skills and motivating yourself? 
I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot, Lima, Alpha, Bravo. In Melbourne and around the world, you can now hear and see the WIA News Broadcast. Brought to you by members of Melbourne's Eastern and Mountain District Radio Club. The broadcast is transmitted via VK3RTV, digital television repeater, and simultaneously streamed live on the web, courtesy of the British Amateur Television Club. This is VK1WIA, now heard and seen around the world. I'm John, VK3DQ. International news with thanks to RSGB, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. End of the world transatlantic balloon attempt. The South Texas Balloon Launch Team has joined the NOD End of the World Special Event and will launch a high-altitude floater balloon December 15 with hopes of reaching Europe before the end of the world. Titanic Radio Signalman inspires new stage show. UK's Western Mail reports that the man who picked up the distress signal from the Titanic over his amateur radio from his garden shed in Pont Lanfraith has inspired a new stage drama. Whispers on the Waves is being staged by Odyssey, the inclusive community drama group from Cardiff-based Hijinks Theatre. Dangers associated with repairing your own radio. A Peoria man was robbed at gunpoint while fixing his radio, police say. Officers responded last Friday and there they spoke to the 35-year-old victim and a witness. The second person said that the victim came to his house after being robbed. The victim said he was fixing his car radio when he was approached by three males, one armed with a handgun. Mexico Zeta drug gang blamed for kidnapping engineers. If you are an information technology or two-way radio technician and planning a trip to Mexico, you might not carry a HT on a belt clip where it can be easily seen. This is because at least one drug gang seems to be kidnapping and enslaving those who know two-way radio to build and keep their private system going. Amateur Radio Newsline's Cheryl Lassick, KB9BIK, takes a look at the situation over there. According to a report from Mexican news site Animal Politico, at least three dozen engineers and technicians have been kidnapped in the past four years. And Felipe Gonzalez, who is the head of Mexico's Senate Security Committee, told Animal Politico that none of the engineers who disappeared have ever been found. Mexican authorities blame the notorious drug-running gang, the Zetas, for the kidnappings. The Mexican military is trying to dismantle an extensive radio network built and operated by the drug cartel, but to date authorities have not had much luck shutting it down. Not only is much of the equipment super easy to replace, but the drug runners have apparently found some unwilling assistance by kidnapping and enslaving technicians to help build it. Among them is at least one IBM employee and several communications technicians from a firm owned by Mexico's largest construction company. Last year, the Mexican military found and dismantled one such drug runner's radio network spread across northeastern Mexico that included 167 radio antenna sites. As recently as this past September, Mexican Marines found a 295-foot-high transmission tower in Veracruz State. The bottom line, it seems the drug gangs have discovered that two-way radio is a tool that they will not be without. However, the Mexican government is doing all it can do to take these clandestine operations off the air. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Cheryl Essek, K9VIK, near Zion, Illinois. Available members of Med7 Raynet Group were asked by the Worcestershire County Council County Volunteers Emergency Committee, or CVEC, during the afternoon of Sunday the 25th of November. This was at very short notice for the volunteers due to the rising waters of the River Severn, 
The emergency planning officers were concerned at the potential for flooding of adjacent residential properties in parts of Worcester city centre, some of which had been constructed after the floods of 2000, <coughs> excuse me, 2007. Multi-agency teams from CVEC were tasked with notifying homeowners of the threat, issuing warning, ad, warnings, advice and leaflets, and reporting back to the social services details of residents who might be unable to self-help and evacuate, and those who could require rest centre attendance. Tony G8WOX, Paul G6DQM and Max M0VNG deployed with the teams. The teams completed the task into the early evening and stood down with residents most appreciate of the efforts made. If you look at the data modes in use today, you may notice the vast majority can only be used to communicate using the English language alphabet. That presents a real problem for countries such as China, where the language requires graphical characters. The shortcoming is critical when using amateur radio to support emergency and disaster relief operations. And to overcome this, the Chinese Radio Amateur Club has devised an ingenious new mode that uses a 16 by 16 dot matrix to send each character, known as CP16. The system uses 16 17 hertz space tones that allow the transmitted character to be displayed by any receiver that uses a waterfall display. So if you spot Chinese characters on your waterfall whilst tuning around, you're seeing CP16 in action. Professors at the University of California Riverside Burns College of Engineering have apparently developed a way of doubling the efficiency of wireless networks. According to researchers Yingbo Hua and Ping Lang, it appears the doubling of efficiency could be achieved by using full duplex with time domain transmit beam forming. They say that the latter digitally creates a time domain cancellation signal, couples it to the radio frequency front end to allow the radio to hear much weaker incoming signals while transmitting strong outgoing signals at the same frequency and same time. Wireless design, says scientists Hua and Ling, see applications in cognitive radio. They say that this is a type of wireless communication in which a transceiver can detect which communication channels are in use and which are not and move into vacant channels while avoiding occupied ones. These stories from the RSGB and from the Amateur Radio Newsline are on the web at www.arnewsline.org and I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. You're tuned to VK1WIA. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Operational News on Felix VK4FUQ, Dateline 2012. Worldwide AWRL 10 metre contest December 8 and 9. Wyong Field Day, Mini Contest University open for registrations for attendees. According to Southgate News in the UK, our own BK Wyong Field Day group are calling for registrations to attend a free mini contest university. At the Wyong Field Day in February 2013, there is no word yet on which university is involved or if it is the U3A. Special event stations DX and Vegan and NetAdvice. BCDX Net celebrates its 24th anniversary. The weekly 40 metre BCDX Net from South India has celebrated its 24th anniversary. This net began operation on Sunday, November the 27th, 1988. The BCDX net is now held on Sunday mornings at 0300 hours UTC on 7085 MHz lower sideband for the advantage of those who are keenly interested in broadcast band DXing. 
According to its operators, the unique thing about this net is that it has helped hams to become SWLDXs and SWLs to get their amateur licenses. The current net control station is VU3SIO. Special event station TM1TARA. On the air, keep an ear open for special event station TM1TARA to be on air between December the 8th to the 10th. This is to commemorate the scientific voyages of the French polar vessel, the Tara. Tara expeditions have been organising missions aboard this research schooner for the past nine years. The goal is to learn more about the impact of so-called climate change on this planet's ecosystems. So far, Tara has accomplished eight successful expeditions, including voyages to Greenland, Antarctica, Patagonia, southern Georgia and the Arctic. For this special celebration, operations will be conducted by FADVD and F8IJV from Paris, France, during the Tara exhibit. Look for them on 20 through 10 metres on SSB. A special colour QSL card will be printed and will be sent via the Bureau or direct. QSL with a self-addressed envelope and two IRCs, if you can still get them, to FADVD. VK5 VF Adelaide, 6 metres, 2 metres and 70 centimetre beacons back on air. Ben tells how it is. Just in time for the VHF DX season, the 6 metre, 2 metre and 70 centimetre beacons have been serviced and put back into operation at Mount Lofty near Adelaide in VK5. As the VK5 Mount Lofty 6 metre beacon has been off air for some time, in restoring the operation of the beacon, it has also had a frequency change in accordance with the WIA band plans. Part of the rebuild included referencing the 6 metre and 70 centimetre beacon frequencies to the GPS. The VK5 VF beacon frequencies are the new 6 metre frequency is now 50.320 MHz. The 2 metre frequency is 144.450 MHz and the 70 centimetre frequency is 432.450 MHz. So those who are into VK VHF DX, these beacons are again available. Copy of this information may be found in the text edition on www.wia.org.au. I'm Ben. VK5BB for the Amateur Radio Experimenters Group Incorporated. Thanks, Ben. Now to Intruder Watch, your enforcement zone. IIAU Region 3 Monitoring System Newsletter. The IIAU Region 3 Monitoring System notes an increase in the number of intrusions in the higher frequency bands, particularly from over the horizon radars on 15 metres. In the newsletter, Peter Young, VK3MV, reports. Some OTHR emissions into Northern Australia are very strong and a report has been filed with the Australian regulator, seeking information and their removal. With propagation on the improved, there is more detection of intrusions on 10 metres from low-power commercial-like services. Again this month, further reports of HF manpack emissions are being logged, but due to the random nature of these emissions, a possible location source is difficult to determine. Further reports are requested to determine a location. The Burmese broadcast station operating on 7110 kHz is still operational and has been reported to the Australian regulator. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Eddingham. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Worldwide Special Interest Groups CW. The ARRL says that Morse code plays a role in new Spielberg movie. Producer Steven Spielberg has used amateur radio or Morse code in three of his last four movies. Super 8 in 2011, The Adventures of Tintin again in 2011, and Lincoln in 2012. 
members of the Moores Telegraph Club and Association of Retired Railroad and Commercial Telegraphers, historians, radio amateurs and others with an interest in the history and traditions of telegraphy and the telegraph industry played an integral part in the production of Lincoln. Nine of the 16 telegraph stations depicted in the War Department were fully operational, explained Morse Telegraph Club International President James Wade, WB8SIW. These instruments could be operated in any combination through the use of a specialised computer program and custom-built terminal units for the process. When necessary, a handkey could be inserted into the individual telegraph loops so messages could be improvised. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. Voyager 1 probe leaving the solar system reaches a magnetic highway. NASA's long-lived Voyager 1 spacecraft, which is heading out of the solar system, has reached a magnetic highway, leading to interstellar space scientists' claim. The probe, launched 35 years ago to study the outer planets, is now about 18 billion kilometres from Earth and at that distance it takes radio signals travelling at the speed of light 17 hours to reach Earth. Voyager 1 will be the first man-made object to leave the solar system. Scientists believe that Voyager 1 is in an area where the magnetic field lines from the Sun are connecting with the magnetic field lines from interstellar space. The phenomenon is causing a highly energetic particles from distant supernova explosions and other cosmic events to zoom inside the solar system, while less energetic solar particles exit. It's like a highway, letting particles in and out, lead Voyager scientist Ed Stone told reporters in San Francisco. Scientists don't know how long it'll take for the probe to cross the so-called magnetic highway, but believe it's the last layer of a complex boundary between the region of space under the sun's influence and interstellar space. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW, the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. The 100th registration for this event is in, and it comes from the Deutsche Amateur Radio Club, Emden Club Station, DL0EM, at the Camden Lighthouse on the north coast of Germany. Jim Linton, VK3PC, has more. The 100th registration for this event is now in. It comes from the Deutsche Amateur Radio Club, Emden Club Station, DL0EM, at the Captain Lighthouse on the north coast of Germany. Active since 1891, with Germany's most powerful lighthouse lamp, in the mouth of the Ems River, and with its lattice-tower construction, it stands 65 metres or 213 feet tall. The International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend is an annual and friendly event sponsored by the Air Radio Group and only on the third full weekend of August. If you would like to know more or to register online for the next event on August 17th and 18th, visit the website illw.net. I'm Jim Linton, VK3PC, and you're listening to VK1WIA. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. Disaster recovery helped by Amateur Radio. The radio amateur community was well prepared 
when a super typhoon unleashed its fury on the Philippines, uprooting trees, snapping power lines, sparking landslides, cancelling flights and ferries, and sending 40,000 people to shelters. Claiming more than 50 human lives, it was the strongest of 16 typhoons in the country this year. As Pablo, internationally named as Bopa, and heavy rain and wind gusts up to 210 kilometres per hour. The Philippine Amateur Radio Association, PARA, had emergency communications on 40 metres, 7095 megahertz and VHF as the typhoon made landfall on Tuesday at North Davao in Mindanao. It left a large footprint of damage before exiting the country. PARA is disappointed that its emergency use of 7095 MHz was not honoured by other radio amateurs, who disturbed its operation by testing equipment on air, tuning up, sending digital signals and sometimes even trying to make contact as if it was a DX activity. A standard text will clearly identify emergency nets in future, as a worldwide reminder is issued not to QRM emergencies or training exercises. Thanks to Jim Linton, VK3PC, for that news story. Well, that's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. Well, there we be, another excitement-packed edition of WIA National News. On the social scene for next year, get out the diary, put these ones in, Wyong Australia Hamfest, February 24. March 24, Meet the Voice Barbecue at Ross in VK7. May 24 to 25, VK6, the WIA AGM and Conference in Perth. October 3 to 7 in VK4, the North Queensland Amateur Radio Convention at Charters Towers. Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society will be holding at Goodwood their big ham fest November 3. Victoria National Parks Weekend is November 15, 17 in VK3. And November 24, VK3's Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club, the Rosebud Radio Fest. Till next we meet, I'm Graham VK4, Baker Baker. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1 WIA. We've reported. You decide.